0: Now, before I press the button to make all the noisy noise and we get started on the, uh, the episode, as we tend to do first before we do that, which I already said, so now I'm just wasting everybody's time. Um, again, it's the Christmas season, and what, what makes really good stocking stuffers? Uh, soaps and shower steamers and bath bombs and bath salts and all the cool shit that you can find from sensational soaps and lotions. Uh, you can check them out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or you can go to sensationalsoaps.com and uh, order some stuff for all the folk that you deem worthy for Christmas.
1: And maybe those that you want to smell nicer.
0: It's <laughs> true. Maybe a coworker that sits remarkably close to you and t- doesn't exactly keep him or herself overly bathed. <laughs> Anyway, that's our ad for the episode. Now <laughs> we'll get on to that thing we do if I can find out where the button is.
2: And
0: now
1: we're back. Well, <laughs> we
0: didn't really go anywhere. But anyway, now we're here. <laughs> Nap. We are the Pop Cult Experience Podcast. That's Tyler. I'm Karen. And. <laughs> We are. <laughs> That's not exactly how that usually goes. Anyway,
2: we're just, we're
0: just gonna move on. Because if that was true, then I would now come with boobs, and
2: <laughs>
0: I wouldn't be recording this podcast. Anyway, we have a bunch of news to get through, a couple of reviews, some some talky talky business. So yeah. uh, let's get. Okay. Actually, let's first, before we jump into the news, uh, last night we went out.
1: We did. We had an awesome time. We went to the newly renovated Café de Cuff to see Sunday Ride Club, and they were op- uh, the opening bands for them were Superfluous and um, Me on Ghost House, and they were, everybody was fantastic. Like, it everybody was, a, was fantastic. It was a great show. It was a good crowd, too. Like, not not so packed as to make me panicky <laughs> kind of thing. You know, we were, well, like, I don't
0: think you could have gotten any more fucking people in there.
1: I think if you had more people, it would have been a problem.
2: <laughs> it, was a, it
0: was a full, full house. So that yeah. was really good to see.
2: Yeah, they were uh, everybody
0: was standing and enjoying themselves They're and
2: good.
0: right up by the stage. Lots of good noise.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh Superfluous was amazing. Holy that, crap. Yeah. That really good, like seventies rock sound. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: With a lead singer Neon. that sounded an awful lot like Le- James Hetfield. I was impressed. Mm.
0: Yeah, sounded a lot like James Hetfield and looked a lot like Jason Lee from Almost Famous.
1: Me <laughs> <Dude>, too, totally.
0: <laughs> totally did, so that was kind of cool. You mm-hmm. uh, on Ghost House, a very young-looking...
1: Oh, my goodness, yes. they A uh, cool, talented favorite.
0: bunch of boys playing some more kind of alternative, now-more-style music. Mm-hmm. Also good, minus a few... uh sound.
1: Yeah, they seem to have balancing issues, but I don't you know, that that kind of crap happens.
0: (laughs) Really all it was was the the lead singer's guitar kept cutting out.
2: Yeah. There was something wrong with
0: his uh, plug-in, but even without that or even with those issues, they still had a great sound and Mm -hmm. had a lot of fun up there. And then of course Sunday Riot Club, who just brought a party with them, it would seem.
1: definitely (laughs) did. They know how to do like, anthemic kind of rock, right? I mean, they they, they they played some Black Sabbath cover and a Kiss cover, plus their own music, which is also very anthemic. And they look, they definitely look like rock stars. Yeah. <laughs> when they get up there, their their drummer was something else, uh, Gavin Hatch, if I remember correctly. Um, young kid, but holy man, <laughs> can he ever go? But everybody did. Like they, they, Of course, we'd had Alexandra Mahé, on the show last week and talking to him was, was a great time. And it was, you know, a, a good preview for the kind of show we were going to get. And we did and he delivered exactly the kind of stuff that he said they, they would. So congrats to them. It was an awesome show. Awesome. Like not, a great little venue that and nice to see that it's back up and running and all of that kind of stuff. And I, I look forward to seeing some more shows there.
0: Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. Now. On. <laughs> the News mm-hmm. Who has to go
2: first?
1: Oh,
0: well, why don't we start with the sad, sad news of the day?
1: Sad, sad news, yeah. Okay, so the sad, sad news is that we lost Anne Rice today. Um, she was 80, she had a you know good long life, and, and all of that kind of stuff. Um, uh, but you know, if her novels, particularly the Vampire Chronicle novels that she did back in like goodness gracious 70s and 80s were hugely influential on pop culture. I mean, it kind of brought the whole vampire mystique back into popular culture as we understand it. And it, it it just went from there. And those novels are some of my favorite books from back in the day kind of thing. Did you ever read them yourself?
0: No, I don't think I ever read anything from Anne Rice.
1: Uh, my personal favorite of the of the set was Queen of the Damned. And it was done... But the movie is terrible. Don't ever watch it. Gross. (laughs) But the book is incredible. It's all done from multiple different characters' perspectives, and it centers around the two main characters where vampirism began. And just an absolutely fantastic story with some very like strong female characters in it and everything. It was it was awesome. I highly I would recommend anybody to read that, to read the, the Vampire Chronicles in general. And she also did the the Mayfair Chronicles, which were a witch, uh, witch-based series. And I read a few of those, but I didn't get into them to the same degree. But I kind of want to revisit them now as an older person kind of thing, because I was trying to read them when I was like 20, and I don't think I was kind of in the, the right headspace for it. So anyway, sad that we lost a talent of that of that magnitude, but... You know, what can we do? We can enjoy her works for many, many, many years to come. And if you haven't read any Anne Rice and you and you like anything to do with the supernatural, I highly recommend reading her vampire chronicles. They're fantastic. Her character, the vampire Lestat, is hilarious. <laughs> He's absolutely ridiculous. You wanna punch him, but you love him also.
0: I kind of want to put a joke in here that Anne Rice is not dead and that she's actually a vampire. <laughs>
1: Well, the, see, and you know why that would actually be extra funny is because she's really Christian! Super, super Christian! She was, so this. there was always this, like, sort of weirdness that she was, she had written about these, like, um, you know, obviously outside of the Christian faith kind of characters and situations but yeah the woman herself was extremely Christian and it it, there I think that there was the loss of a child at some point in time in her in her life and I think that this is part of why that was um I don't remember the exact details of her biography at this point in time but it was it it was it always struck me as a rather ironic thing that she got super famous for for writing about things that definitely would not have been um were, were not maybe perhaps supported by the church. I have I, I have some feel good news to talk about, more in the Christmassy vein of things.
0: I guess we can go that way now.
1: Yeah, I mean we have got a contrast. The Sad. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that I read about in the, this last week was um, Michael Sheen, the actor. Um, and if you haven't seen any of his stuff, he's he's brilliant. He's most re- one of the most recent things he's been in was in Good Omens. He played uh, the angel Aziraphale, and but he's been in a ton of stuff, and he's a very talented dude so he has sort of become has decided to become a, a sort of not-for-profit actor so he will still work and earn but he is going to use the money that he has to sponsor um, char- charitable organizations so back in a couple of years ago he ended up sort of getting involved in a local uh, like in in Wales, in a local sort of charity gig. And he realized just how much some of these small community-run organizations helped the less, the less privileged members of the community. And he also realized that they were very transient in nature. Like, you know, this foundation would get funding for like two years and then it would be gone because that funding would disappear because governments are like that, right? And he ended up... Um, Finding out that one of the charities that he was kind of sort of more personally invested in, in like in a, in, not necessarily in the financial sense, but in the personal sense, was not going to happen during the COVID period. And he thought it was ex- because there were just weren't enough dollars to make it happen. And he decided that he was going to personally make it happen. So he mortgaged his two houses to make it happen. And it terrified him he was like, oh my god, I'm doing this to make this happen. And then he was able to make back the money. And he went, oh. Okay, so I can do this and help out other people and still maintain my standard of living. Seems like a good deal. So this is kind of what he's going to do from from now on. He wants to be more involved in charitable stuff and helping others, even if it's not so that it will, he won't advance in his financial standing, but he doesn't need to. He's Totally, I mean, he's more than comfortable at the level that he's at. Cool. Okay. And I thought that that was a really, a really awesome story to read before Christmas. I like it. Yeah,
0: good chap right there. And he played a vampire, so it's fucking right on the heels of fucking <laughs> the Anne Rice story. <laughs> I mean, he played a vampire in some absolute shit, but. <laughs> <laughs> Because I'm fairly sure he was one of the vampires in Twilight.
1: Michael Sheen. What? What? See, now I haven't seen the Twilight film, so I'm showing my ignorance there. Because I'm like, what? Well, I go I'm ahead.
0: gonna Google it now while we all.
1: Okay. Well, I can. I can. Do we want to, We can. I can move on to another piece of news, perhaps cool. if you'd like.
0: Because I might be wrong. I don't like being wrong.
1: <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> well, some of the other news that I've got is more casting related. So one of the things that I came upon that I thought was really exciting was that Mike Flanagan, who did The Haunting of Hill House and The Haunting of Bly Manor quite recently, and has been involved in quite a few very good horror projects over the last little while, is adapting uh, Edgar Allan Poe's The Fall of the House of Usher. And it has got some stellar fucking cast members. Most recently, Mark Hamill has been added to the list. Hmm? Which I thought was super, super cool. But, not to be overlooked, it's also starring Frank Langella and Carlo Cucino. Who are both fantastic in their own right. So I'm very excited about this. I mean, I, the idea of getting this kind of adapted for the small screen sounds like a great idea to me.
0: I was not wrong. He's in Holy Crap, Twilight, Breaking Dawn's Part 1 and 2.
1: Oh, Jesus. Well, you know, everybody's got to Got to pay the rent, right?
0: <laughs> on two houses that he mortgaged to
1: help yeah, a share. You know, so. to, 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 to help some kids play sports. Okay, <laughs> I guess we'll let him go for that. Seems 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 fair. How about you? What did you find?
0: Well, today? seeing as we're on casting news,
1: yeah, yeah,
0: I have, I guess, a bunch in a row here. Yeah. I mean, uh, Kevin Feige has confirmed that when they do get around to making a Daredevil. More daredevilness. Charlie <laughs> Cox is going to be Daredevil.
1: Going to be the dude. Yes.
0: And I hope that goes with all of the Netflix characters. Like, if they do <laughs> want to do something with Jessica Jones, it better be Kristen Ritter. If they do want to do Punisher, it better be John Barrettall.
1: As if- far as I understand it, that has been at least where Barrettall has been mentioned and Ritter. Um, I, I do believe that that is the case, but this is the first time I've sort of gotten—we've gotten, we've gotten the, the absolute confirmation from Feige. Yeah,
0: and we've only gotten the confirmation on Cox as Daredevil. Yeah, the other two are rumored, but we haven't had any, any confirmation yeah. on them.
1: I would also like them to bring back Luke, the, the, the dude who played Luke Cage because I thought he was excellent. So, you know,
0: something Cotter.
1: Nice. Um, goodness, we should know this better, Michael Cotter. The uh, I I do I don't give a rat's ass if they bring back the dude to play iron Fist, but really i don't think that has anything to do with the actor and everything to do with the character (laughs) so maybe i won't be mean about that (laughs) i mean he was okay in the defenders like the the ultimate thing but
0: yeah the defenders yes oh michael mike coulter Colter, okay. yes, yes, not Cotter. I said Michael Cotter. It's Michael Colter I'm very sorry, everybody. Well, not everybody. Specifically, him. If he's listening, sorry, I fucked <laughs> up your name. Uh, next, what have we got? We got We got Colin Farrell uh-huh. to reply to reprise his Penguin role
2: mm-hmm. from the
0: Batman movie into the upcoming Batman series spinoff series.
1: Yes, I. I mean, everybody wants. Everybody's getting into the TV series business now. They're seeing how how well that can do for the properties, I think, and keeping people invested. And being able to tell more complicated storylines as well. So, you know, it, some things, some secondary storylines don't really translate so well to the big screen and into that sort of two-hour format, but can translate extremely well into like a 6 to, t- to 13 episode um, well,
0: format. I think I think this new... Is it Matt Vaughn that's doing it? I believe so. Mm-hmm. Matt Vaughn Batman? Yeah, yeah. I think if he's going back to what he wants to do with the old detective Batman.
1: Right. Yes. That would
0: do very well as a series. Mm-hmm. Because it's basically Batman as a private investigator.
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: So he can have like multiple like things that he's solving throughout. Like uh like you said, an eight to ten episode season. Yeah. Stuff like that. So I think Batman actually works very could work very well as a series.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So see what happens there i don't even know what this spin-off series is is it pattinson's batman are they doing a series with him
1: no it's it's a penguin series
0: oh it's a penguin series yeah
1: but of course obviously it's going to incorporate batman to some small degree like there's i mean it might only be i don't know if we'll get an appearance because asking pattinson to show up on a television screen that would be a pretty big deal (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but, but, but you know, it not- could be
0: in whatever contract he signed to play Batman.
1: Yeah, indeed. We don't,
0: we don't know what he's already.
1: And the A-listers are starting to make the to make those moves, right? Like uh, we're we're seeing it with Reese Witherspoon, Nicole Kidman, both of them A-list actresses have done banger jobs on the small screen. And we've had a recent announcement that Sylvester Stallone is doing his first appearance on the small screen, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Tyler is making a what now face. <laughs> so he's going to be playing a detective in a in a series called Taylor Sheridan. Or oh, wait, hold on. No, Taylor Sheridan is one of the um, one of the producers. Sorry, hold on. Ugh. Taylor Sheridan and Terrence Winter. But it's going to be uh, like a a, a a tribute to the 70s and 80s style sort of cop sh- or detective shows that used to exist. Kind of deal. And him having, but it's going to be, it's a, Stallone will star as like a mob boss that has to move from New York to Kansas City, and it's kind of going to be a fish out of water sort of thing, but also, you know, a crime mogul who is going to be sort of relearning how to set up shop in this very unusual place, (laughs) kind of thing. Sounds cool. Yeah, yeah, could be, could be could be interesting it could be an interesting kind of thing but i thought it was it was neat to see that stallone was making that making that jump as well
0: um continuing on the casting news of sorts Mm -hmm. kobe smolders is returning as maria hill in secret invasion
1: ah okay so we're gonna have so fury and and uh and uh i
0: mean can you really have one without the other like
1: it would be I don't weird. know
0: if this was really news, but it was confirmed that, mm-hmm. of course, she is going to be reprising her role mm-hmm. in the Secret Invasion series that's coming out next year, I believe.
2: Cool.
0: So, very yeah. Cool.
1: Well, an MCU actor um, it has is, has been confirmed for a role that has nothing to do with the MCU. We're going to be having Tom Holland starring as Fred Astaire in an upcoming biopic. That and, does
0: make very good sense as he is it, a dancer.
1: It really does. And did you ever see the, um, oh my goodness, what was it called again? Yes,
0: the Lensink battle where exactly. he danced in the rain.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And then, you know, went And into- then
0: broke into Umbrella.
1: That amazing Umbrella thing, which I my brain has never really fully recovered from. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so he's going to be playing Fred Astaire. And I think that that is just a fantastic concept kind of thing. Now, is that it? I think that's it for most of my... Casting news at this moment. Yep, I mean, I got. We had the announcement too that we're going to be getting a sequel to For Shang Chi.
0: Oh, I have that on mine with Destin Daniel Cretton. Yeah, confirmed to be writing and directing this one as well. Yeah, great. So awesome. very cool. We both really enjoyed Shang Chi
1: completely. Yeah. So I need to rewatch that one again, like soon. <laughs> it's just I, i've only i've only seen it the once in september and i'd like to i'd like to watch it again because it just sounds it, it was just it just sounds awesome no it was awesome
0: <laughs> oh but speaking of disney plus uh the last little bit of news is not my last bit of news but as we're talking about this type of stuff uh the eternals is coming to disney plus on january 12th Ooh. at no additional cost it's going to be included.
2: Good. In the streaming
0: service, so I will get around to watching it.
2: Yay!
0: It's not like the other ones that have come to Disney Plus for like $24.99. Right.
1: Yeah. Where you have to wait until it's not a big premium price or anything like that. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, I have a bit of maybe uncasting news.
1: Uncasting news. Okay, that's interesting.
0: Something like that. Patty Jenkins has dropped <laughs> out of directing Cleopatra. Okay. With Gail Gadot to concentrate her efforts on Wonder Woman 3 and the recently shelved Star Wars Rogue Squadron. Oh. So so maybe that isn't as shelved as previously, because it was originally not canceled, but it was originally shelved indefinitely. Right. And now she's dropped out of Cleopatra, I guess, to put more effort onto it to maybe get it off the shelf.
2: Hmm. Hmm. Okay, but
0: I find it funny that she's dropping out of one movie with Gail Gadot to work on another movie with Gail Gadot. <laughs> but I may maybe Wonder Woman three is kind of a little bit more on the high profile side and maybe. needs her her extra attention. Maybe because for Cleopatra, I believe she was just directing. Okay, whereas for Wonder Woman and Rogue Squadron, she was also writing and. So maybe she needs to spend more time on that. We don't know. But
2: yeah.
0: anyway, Patty Jenkins spending more time on Wonder Woman 3 and Rogue Squadron and leaving the Cleopatra movie, which I didn't even know was being made personally. So I,
1: think I was sort of half aware. Yeah.
0: How can you be half aware of something?
1: Like I knew that there was something, but
0: well, well, that's yeah. that's fully aware then. Just not really.
1: I mean, I was attention aware of to it. and Cleopatra, but I think I wasn't sure who who else was involved at the time.
0: Gotcha. I still feel that that's more than half aware.
1: <laughs> Vague maybes. Had, had not probed. Had not confirmed.
0: Um, this is rumor-based. Mm-hmm. Just said in an interview. Uh, if it does come true, then it would be great. Mm-hmm. But Del Toro wants to make a weirder version of At the Mountains of Madness from H.P. Lovecraft.
1: Oh, okay then.
0: I don't know if one has already been made, <laughs> is in a film, but he wants to do a weirder one. I didn't do too much digging on it, but anything that Del Toro does, I am fully on board with. Yes. Yeah, but
2: so, like but at
0: the, oh wait, I had that news.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Hold on. At the Mouth of Madness is a.
1: Oh, Mouth of Madness. Okay. Or, Mouth-
0: no Sorry, the Mountain of Madness.
1: Oh, okay. That's a different thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. Is a science fiction horror movie, or sorry, novella by H.P. Uh, Lovecraft,
2: mm-hmm.
0: written way back in 1931. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And rejected that year by Weird Tales editor Farnsworth Wright <laughs> on the grounds of its length and its originally serious. Oh, sorry. And its length is it originally serialized in February. Blah, 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 blah. So, uh, it... <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just reading this. This is like the last thing I found before we literally...
2: Got on the
1: thing. oh
0: <laughs> Got on the thing. The story details the events of a disastrous expedition to Antarctica mm-hmm. and what is found there by a group of explorers. hmm <laughs> Again, I don't know what he means by a weirder version of it.
1: Well, that implies that there has been one made before.
0: Yeah. According to adaptations, it was adapted into a graphic novel. And Del Toro and screenwriter Matthew Robbins wrote a screenplay based on it in 2006, but never got it made Due to financing. So I guess they're coming back around to it.
1: Maybe that's what it is. Maybe it was just. He wants to. So he
0: probably originally wrote the screenplay. Right. Never got it made. So now he's doubling down and making a. Weirder (laughs) version of it. To (laughs) see if he can get that one greenlit instead. (laughs) There you go people. We're all learning this at the same time. (laughs) Because when I put news on the list to read through. I don't research it. Whatsoever. (laughs) I just write it in there and be like, "Well, everybody can do their own research on this one."
1: I the last little bit I have was the Writers Guild of America has announced their top ten screenplays of the 21st century.
0: Was mine in there?
1: Um, I'm not sure how they're doing that, considering that that's like we're we're not that far in. <laughs> we're- we're only we're only twenty years in here, folks. But nonetheless, I guess you know it's the top ten of the of the last twenty two, or or what have you. But they announced um, that get well, out.
0: Twenty one years is quite a while.
1: Mm, it's a fair amount. But-
0: were, were you hoping that they waited until? Well, yeah. Thirty twenty one.
1: No, not thirty twenty one. But like, can you can you wait until twenty one hundred?
0: Oh yeah, sorry, twenty one hundred. <laughs> I was going by thousands. <laughs> millennia (laughs) But if it waited until twenty one hundred we wouldn't be able to talk about it because we won't be here.
1: Yeah, true. So they had I think
0: every twenty years you should re you should update it.
1: Yeah that's that that seems relatively reasonable. So yes, their top their their number one was Get Out. Fantastic screenplay, I gotta agree. And the other the other occupants of the top five were Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, Social Network, Parasite, and No Country for Old Men. Yes. And then the other big, the other big five were Moonlight, There Will Be Blood, Inglorious Bastards, Almost Famous, and Memento. Good picks. Yeah, yeah. I don't
0: agree with all of them, but yeah, I'm not with them all.
1: sure. I would, I would have put The Social Network up that high, kind of thing. No. I was like, really, really. I don't have any. I mean, I've seen all of these films, and they are, they are all good films. But I like The Social Network didn't get me in any kind of specific way, so I'm not really sure about that kind of deal, but
0: then again, it may not have anything to do. It's it's screenplay. Mm -hmm. So I guess that really doesn't translate into how the movie was received or how the film was shot and blah, blah, blah. Right. I mean, we've seen some great movies win best original screenplay or adapted screenplay and not win best picture or anything else because the movie may not translate the adapted screenplay or the original screenplay as well. Yeah. So maybe it was written very well and filmed not as well. Mm-hmm. But then again, this is just our personal, like, I didn't care for the movie myself. Didn't really, probably had something to do with me not giving a shit about the uh, the the fucking Facebook.
1: Oh, you're talking about social network, right? Yes. <laughs> It was
0: what we were talking about.
1: I was like, wait, are you talking about Get Out? What? No, social (laughs) network.
0: The one that we said probably didn't deserve to be on the list.
1: Yeah. Well. That's
0: that's, that's more of like a personal bias by us just because we didn't really care for the movie.
1: Yeah. I'm not sure if I. Yeah. No, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have put it there. I'm maybe it's good, but. I, yeah, it wouldn't have been one of my picks. I would have probably picked some other stuff instead. but nonetheless, I thought it was kind of an interesting um, an interesting list and for uh, for all of those if, if any of the folk that are listening haven't seen all of the movies that are on that list, I would recommend them. they are they are extremely well done films. so
0: uh, what else I got here? Guy Ritchie and Statham are collaborating for the fifth time
1: Oh ho, ho. In, they- uh
0: in the the spy. Thriller, um, Operation Fortune.
1: Okay. Oh, yeah. Which
0: the trailer just came out for. The trailer we, is out it, there for anybody that awesome. wants to check it.
1: It was bonkers!
0: <laughs> Looks like it'd be good fun. Yep. Also has Aubrey Plaza. Yes! And there's somebody Maybe. else.
1: It was Carrie Elwes in there, wasn't it? Who? I, th- I th- play-
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, fucking Wesley. Yeah, Carrie exactly. Elvis. Yeah, he was yeah. in it. And, uh, <laughs> For somebody else, but for whatever reason, it's just well, me. But
1: I mean, Hugh Grant made it. It was was in there too. Like we've got a lot of the, um, the the Richie regulars, shall we say, are showing up in this. But it and it looks very much. Yeah, but a
0: lot of not Richie Indeed. regulars are now showing up in this.
1: Oh, Josh Hartnell! That Josh was Hartnell. One, really that was the other one. Both of us, because he hasn't been doing much. Like he does cinema, but he does like really indie cinema, or he does. Like TV stuff. I'm most recently, for me, was um, oh goodness, the horror, the horror series that the name of which I have now lost because my brain doesn't want to work. Penny dreadful. There we go. Right.
0: Yeah. Anyway, so yeah. I mean, it's Guy Ritchie. It's Statham.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh Last time they were together was not that long ago with uh, Wrath of Man.
1: Right. Yes. Which, which was a good
0: is. flick.
2: Mm. It's
0: decent. I mean, it didn't have the same. Style that most Guy Ritchie, like if you go back to Snatch and the Sherlock Holmes and stuff, like mm. didn't have quite as a stylistic approach to it. This kind of looks like it'll go back to that.
1: Yeah, well, I wonder. Like, Wrath of Man kind of came out during COVID too, right? So they may, yeah, have... but it was
0: also a completely different kind different of
2: movie kind of story. Okay, all
0: right. I mean, it was about armored car thieves and stuff like that, but yeah. not done in like your cheeky British. Like gangster kind of gang lord or whatever kind of yeah. sensibilities that most of his other films kind of take on. Right. Anyway, if those two collaborate, I'll check it out.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh Last on My New Well, not last on my news, but uh did you know that James Cameron wrote a Spider-Man movie?
2: I was not aware of this.
0: According to James Cameron, it's the greatest movie he's never made.
2: <laughs> okay. Alright. He wrote it. Yeah. Alright.
1: And, and just nobody, maybe by when he wrote it, it was around the time that the property rights were making transfers and all of that kind of stuff. Who knows? Man? I don't know.
0: I just, he said in an interview or a tweet or something, he just said that Spider-Man was the greatest movie I had never made. Hmm. And I was like, I was unaware that you were ever making a Spider-Man movie.
1: Mm-hmm. Me too.
0: I don't know how a James Cameron Spider-Man movie would have went. Wow. I mean, we know he can do big spectacle.
1: Yep. He's definitely a pro at that. So, could have been interesting, I suppose. Could
0: have been interesting. Yeah. But now we will never know.
1: Sad. But, or is it? Meh. I'm okay with the Spider-Man that we've gotten. <laughs> it's hard to miss something we never got to see.
0: Uh, the Game Awards happened. Okay. And oh yeah, the Game Awards are usually less about the awards themselves. And more, just a platform for everybody to announce their upcoming games, right? So, a ton of them that grab my attention uh, for any of our gamers out there. I'm not going to go into lengthy descriptions about all of these, right? Most of these names, if you are a gamer, you're going to know. Uh, they announced an Alan Wake two, which I played the original Alan Wake. It was a it's a horror movie where you're a novelist, and I believe you get trapped into kind of one of your own stories. Mm-hmm. And as you're making your way through the haunted forests, and you find like pages of your novel and shit like that, and it unravels a mystery that your basically mind is playing on you. Okay. And then you find out that the novel you're writing is basically a way of dealing with your own guilt and regrets and shit like that. So mm-hmm. it's kind of a psychological thriller, horror thriller kind yeah. of game. Okay. It's good. So number two of that is good. Um, Senua's Saga Hellblade 2 uh, looks absolutely fantastic. They mm-hmm. dropped a, uh, a cinematic uh, trailer for it, okay. which just looked absolutely stunning. The first Hellblade was a uh, decent game.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: kind of plays with your psyche. Okay. As you play through it, you have to be aware of like your mental state okay. and your sanity and stuff like that. Because mm. you're basically playing through a fever dream Okay, of sorts. Uh Star Wars Eclipse, which is a new Star Wars game that is going to be like multiple playable characters and it's gonna be kind of like a mass effect, I believe, with choices that you make throughout the game.
1: Oh, effect like you
0: affecting can affecting which multiple. way you go in the story. It has multiple branching right. paths and everything. Right. So that could be good. Um the one I'm interested in and I don't have it written down here. I just found out about it today mm-hmm. is telltale games. Okay. Which made the walking dead games, All right. uh, which is kind of a similar branching path decisions. Like, do you save this person or this person? And then whichever person you save, yeah. you have to live with the repercussions of not saving the other person. And now the person that you did save could help or hinder you later in the story. So it's, it's a choice based gameplay. Mm -hmm. Uh, Telltale Games is making an Expanse game. Oh! And the main character in it is Kamina Drummer.
1: Nice! Drummer is amazing.
0: Yeah, so it's going to be based around her, and I guess decisions being made in the war of the factions at the Belters and the Martians and shit like that. Mm -hmm. So I was very surprised because I didn't think the Expanse had game, video game kind of aspirations yeah. are being oh, I made
1: did, I didn't I had no clue about that that's cool
0: So if I mean, it was if it if it's done in the same style and it's 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 not technically like an action kind of style it's more of a exploration and choice based and like it you basically you're playing through what is in fact like a cinematic almost Okay like you don't get to control the characters to their utmost, where you are physically one on one with them. Okay, it's they get caught into like quick time moments, and you have to make quick decisions by hitting X or B to decide if you're going to shoot the zombie and save this person, or escape and leave that person to die. And then you're okay. All all the choices you make come back to.
1: Are we re- are rewrite we the, the story? To the Expanse now. What? Are we adding zombies to the Expanse? I don't think so. <laughs>
0: Okay, we added some weird creatures to it, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> um, uh, there's a Wonder Woman game coming out. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a Dune Spice Wars game coming out, which okay. looks like a a Halo Wars type game, like a top-down strategy game where you set up defenses and attack in waves, and kind of like a Stargate or a something like that. Okay. Uh, Not a lot on it. Uh, There is a Dying Light 2, which I'm very excited for, because I like the Dying Light game. It was like a first-person parkour zombie game. So you had to stay like the rooftops and traverse over the landscape by staying off the ground where the zombies were. Shit like that. Okay. Uh, The Suicide Squad killed the Justice League game, got another trailer, which looks fantastic. They took on The Flash. Looks like the writing is going to be hilarious. (laughs) Uh, Saints Row is getting a remake. Uh, a couple of games. Slitherhead Nightingale caught my attention. Slither- Slitherhead literally just looks like a fever dream. Okay. Of the Japanese variety.
2: Oh.
0: So very feverish. Okay. Uh, what else? What else? What else? Oh, and of course, we got the first trailer of sorts to the Halo series.
1: Okay. And how was that?
0: Uh look decent. Okay. Uh, I mean like they they seem to have the aesthetic right. Okay. Uh Master Chief's armor looks great. He looks like he's supposed to, which sometimes you don't get. Okay. Uh, they make weird changes and it just so Uh the trailer was very short. Literally showed Master Chief in like one uh, one second kind of scene. The rest of it was just kind of exposition and set up and just uh some like tracking shots of landscapes and shit, but you got to tell the story about how master chief came to be. So this kind of looks like it'll be maybe a prequel to the first game. Okay. Or maybe set up just before the first game. Okay. Because it does, it sounds like in the the little voiceover exposition that they're introducing how halo or how master chief, how John became master chief.
1: Gotcha. So it looks like it's an it might- animated series, yes?
0: No, it's live action.
1: Oh, it's live action, okay. Alright, interesting.
0: Yeah, and uh, Master Chief is being played by I can't remember his name but he was in uh, Michael Bay's 13 Hours. Okay. But his name's escaping at the moment. I believe that's all the news I have. So if you're a gamer, lots of good shit. Yeah! Uh, was announced at the Game Awards. Some uh, interesting stuff. Uh, and yeah, lots of casting news and
1: oh, Pablo whatnot. Snyder that's the guy. Oh the wow, he's Snyder. been He's 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 an interesting dude. I've seen him play a ton of different stuff, and he's a he's a character <laughs> literally and figuratively, of course. And now, seeing
0: his Master Chief never gets out of his armor. Uh huh. I don't, I don't know how much he will be <laughs> represented as himself in the show. Or if he's literally just going to be Master Chief, which basically just means he's going to be the voice. Yeah. And actually, I don't even know if he'll be the voice because uh, Master Chief has a voice.
1: Okay. Mm. Been
0: in a fucking six games up till now.
1: Right. Yeah. So you And if, have- if you
0: put out a show and don't have Master Chief's voice, I don't know... How people are going to take it?
1: Yeah, well, I know that you won't take it well. <laughs> I won't
0: take it very well. So I'm kind of hoping, even though I like Pablo, he's been in some good stuff. I kind of just hope that they leave him in the armor, right? Okay. And they do the voiceover with the original Master Chief uh, again, yeah, yeah. who's
1: the, the the original voice actor? Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that makes some sense.
0: I wonder if it actually says.
1: Oh, who the voice actor is? I'm sure if you did. I'm sure i I'm sure we can. Although was
0: playing Master Chief, but I want to see if in the casting.
1: Oh, if his name if should.
0: they give like a credit for voice of or whatever. But it doesn't look like it does. Hmm. So, I don't know.
1: We will have to see.
0: Anyway, we'll have to something,
1: see. Something for us to investigate for next week. Or, well so that's,
0: i mean the show's not coming out till 2022
1: yeah we got some time
0: so we did get an um, announcement
1: too of when we were going to be getting the dune sequel um it's coming out in june of or june october of 2023
0: oh right around the corner thanks guys
1: two years no they're, they're not they're they're not expecting to be able to begin filming until next fall so that's hence the hence the longer delay Tyler is unimpressed he's like god damn it
0: (laughs) I'm just unimpressed because it's one of those movies that literally just ends yeah mid moment
1: yeah 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 and
0: if the next movie was coming out shortly yeah I I can get past it because it would still be kind of fresh in my head Mm -hmm. and I'd be excited about the next one coming out so I'd remember it and blah 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 but I'm not going to hold on to that for fucking two years
1: No. no you won't
0: so Just means that I'll have to rewatch it before the second one comes out, and that's two hours and forty-five minutes that I wasn't one hundred percent impressed with, only because I knew it was a disjointed movie. Mm. It was only the first half type thing, so I don't think I invested greatly into it as we did in our review. I talked about it when we did our review a while back. Is that I just?
1: It might be a little bit more of an interest. At the like, when you know that you're going to be watching it in front of the next part, kind of thing, perhaps mm-hmm. that will, will be a little bit. Stupid. I mean,
0: I'll literally have to watch it like five minutes before I leave to drive to the theater to see part two.
1: Okay,
0: <laughs> 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 right, so what are we going to talk about now?
1: Well, we have like a bunch of reviews to talk about.
0: I suppose we could, you know, I guess things we literally just talked about Halo.
1: Yeah, you I can, can
0: review. Halo,
1: right? Because
0: I did pick up, I didn't pick up, it was part of Game Pass. So, thank you, Xbox, Mm -hmm. for making Halo free for anybody who has an Xbox and has Game Pass. Uh, I played through the campaign of Halo Infinite, nice, haven't tried the multiplayer yet. Okay, uh, co op is not being brought to us for until sometime in the summer of 2022. Can't wait for that because Halo is one of those games of playing with a buddy, it's so much fun. But the campaign itself takes a whole different approach to all the other Halos. Okay. Where all the other Halos were completely linear storylines. Move from point A to point B. Mm-hmm. Finish the story. Move on. Blah, blah, blah. No branching paths. No wide open spaces. You're literally just pointed in one direction. Okay. So And you, do you move from to one the- end of the... Level to the other, killing yeah. everything in your sight, and opening stories as you go. Right. Halo Infinite gives you a giant map to just traverse. Okay. And finish missions how you want, and do things how you want. Like any open world game, a lot of it is just the same repetitive. There's a forward operating base under Covenant or Banished control. Go free it. Right. And there's like 40 of them on the screen, so it's exactly. just redoing the same yeah. thing over and over again.
1: Yeah, a lot so, of a lot of these open world game uh, oh, oh, this open world gameplay is like this. I mean, I not that I am anywhere near a gamer like yourself, but of course I do play there are some games that I play and I see that even in the games that I play. It that yeah. Same
2: kind of I mean,
0: impact. aside from the missions that move the story along. Yeah. There was freeing forward operating bases. Mm-hmm. There was freeing captive US and UNSC soldiers.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: There was defeating one of the big lieutenant, the banished lieutenants. Mm-hmm. And then there was like two kind of fetch quests to find armor upgrades and uh, caches for like upgrades to your suit and your grappling hook and everything like that. So really, the open world was nice to look at.
2: Okay.
0: And it was nice to move around in. Right. But it didn't offer enough contrast, I guess, in the different styles of missions.
1: Right. Not not, or, as, not, as great for content kind
0: of deal. No, it was show up at forward operating base, kill everything there, take over the base. Now you have a fast travel point and a place to like pick up your armor or pick up your weapons or... Mm-hmm have like a warthog or something dropped in so you can drive off to the next place. Okay. But after you open enough of them, you don't have to drive anywhere. Cause you can just fast travel to all these points. Okay. And it was literally rescue forward operating base, rescue trapped well, soldiers, kind of take game. on Lieutenant. Yeah. Move on forward operating base, free soldiers, yeah. take on Lieutenant for the forward operating base, gotcha. free soldiers, Lieutenant. Yeah. And so outside of the main storyline, there is fuck all to do. Mm. And the open world, I don't think it's, again, as much as it was pretty to look at. Yeah. Yeah. Though it was all one biome. Mm, Okay. It's a giant planet. You're basically on, I think they said the game, the game world was about one quarter or a quarter of the entire ring planet. Okay. So I don't know if, with updates and stuff like that, if they're planning on expanding. Mm. And maybe giving you more, but for being on that massive piece of land, mm-hmm. and that there being different um, areas of height, mm-hmm. like you're up in the mountains, you're down in the lowlands, right. blah blah blah. Yeah, there was there was no snow cover anywhere. It was just all jungle f- or forest and fields. Okay, and rocky cliffs. Like okay. for a big map like that, and I, it just seemed like they they missed. Okay. out on adding a little difference here i mean so i didn't do anything basically with the map okay. once i figured out that the only thing i was doing outside of the story was freeing forward operating bases and saving trap soldiers
2: mm-hmm.
0: it quickly got boring for me okay so i just went fucking gung-ho and straight through the story
1: okay it sounds Probably- like the kind of storyline is is good for completionists you know what i mean like the people that- oh yeah like 100%. i'm sure
0: there's a ton to do but and i'm sure the open world is so that they can add stuff on maybe through updates and maybe. i don't know if halo's getting kind of like the call of duty and stuff season passes mm. where next year instead of bringing out a new game they'll just update this one and add more missions and this and whatever to do so i mean it's a giant landscape where they could add a bunch of that okay Again, it would need to be of a different variety, because the four things you can do on the map that aren't the main storyline are boring. Yeah.
1: So how did you find the storyline gameplay, though?
0: Now, the story itself uh, doesn't live up to the first three Halos, which will always be the kings for anybody who owns an Xbox and loves the Halo series. Halo 4 and 5 are kind of missteps. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this one kind of gets back on board. I mean, three-four-three, three, who took over the Halo franchise from Bungie, uh, doesn't write quite as good stories. Okay, but they did write a well enough story that it kept me invested. Okay. had a had a bunch of like good emotional moments. Uh, you could actually tell that Master Chief had some regret, and there was like a deep seated. Need in him to finish this mission because of reasons that I don't want to give away for people that are playing through the game.
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: there was a couple of
1: so they gave him better character development and motivation. Yeah, they,
0: I think he. I think this game probably offered the most character development for Master Chief. Okay. Uh, it's really just you, your pilot, and your AI, mm-hmm. who's called the weapon. Okay. And uh, if anybody has played the game, she's basically a another version of Cortana who was your AI through the first four games before, if anybody's played through the first five games, of course, Cortana uh, is basically the reason why Halo Infinite exists, because she goes a little
2: bonkers
0: bonkers (laughs) and sets off some bullshit that happens. She's... Again, that was part of the reason that the problems with Halo 5 came from. Okay. Was... Uh, that storyline meant in Halo 5 you were playing as a different soldier and you're kind of hunting down Master Chief and Cortana and stuff like that, which Mm -hmm. pulled a bunch of people out because when you have a game like Halo and you play as Master Chief for three odd games, don't just suddenly tell us that we can't play as Master Chief anymore. (laughs) It's not going to work in your favor.
2: Yeah, Yeah, I gotcha. But they
0: gave us Master Chief back in Halo Infinite and they gave him some really good character development and some really good, there's some emotional moments that are like picked up with like amazing cinematics. The graphics are great. The musical score and behind it is tremendous. Stuff like that. Dialogue between a bunch of the characters is good and refreshing. Uh, They did a good job, too, of all of the passive dialogue that just happens while you're running around the map. That you hear the banished and the covenant and the little grunts talking to each other and stuff and there's <coughs> some decent banter between them. Okay. Whereas in the first couple of games they just fired off just random stuff. Okay. In this, if you sneak up to a couple of them, you'll actually hear them having like a conversation.
2: Oh, okay. And shit
0: like that, which is fun. And if you like get into a firefight with them and then you run off, mm-hmm. you'll hear them talking to each other about how you've disappeared or. Oh, look at you running away. I thought you were the big bad master chief. And they like basically right. taunt you and make fun of you and shit like that. So okay. I enjoyed it, but uh, I think the, the big wide open world that you can just do anything in mm-hmm. was wasted by not giving us enough to do.
1: Okay.
0: And I'm not saying they didn't give us enough to do. No, no, no. Like there, was, there was 30 forward operating bases that you had to go free and stuff, but it just wasn't diverse enough. Like like a game, like I'm also playing Far Cry 6 at the moment and it has a similar style but the missions and stuff like that and the side missions that you take are different.
1: Okay, yeah.
0: These side missions were literally Ford operating base. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> free UNSC soldiers or take on one of a dozen of the stronger lieutenants. Okay. <laughs> it didn't offer up enough Differing side quests to keep you interested, which is basically why I blew through the main story in, like, <clears throat> a dozen hours.
1: Right. So how many flying Whereas, would you give it?
0: The story itself, I'd probably give a good three and a half Okay. flying fucks. The open world, I would give, like, two, just because they don't offer enough. It looks really cool, and you can get in some vehicles and some flying vehicles, and you can fly around and see, like, this... Great open world. You can climb up some mountains and just overlook it and stuff. But after a while, the prettiness wears away when you realize <laughs> that you're not doing much of anything yeah, yeah. on the map.
1: Yeah. No, it, it's more important. the
0: map was literally there to waste my time yeah. driving to the next or walking or whatever to the next main mission point. Okay. So stick to the mission. Um, I'll redo my review again when I play some of the multiplayer. Okay. But I wanted to get through the single-player campaign for today's episode, so I just bared down and blew through the missions, which some people say that the game takes like 25 hours (laughs) to get through. And I'm guessing that's if you stick to a bunch more of the side quests.
2: Maybe, yeah.
0: Because I put it on an easier difficulty just because I wanted to enjoy the story and get through it for the review. (laughs) (laughs) And I probably blew through it in about 12-15 hours. So. I mean, decent length for a game. And again, if you do do all the side quests and shit, you're probably going to get 30 hours out of it. So
1: Greater difficulty, blah, 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 blah.
0: Yeah, so not horrible.
1: Cool. All right. But that was that. Nice. So we watched some shows.
0: We did. We watched the fourth episode of Hawkeye. Yes. And that continued to just get better.
1: Yeah. That
0: show's just got better for me with every episode.
1: Yeah, this is, it's, it's doing, it's doing the, the sort of the proper arc that you would see with the, with this type of television series, right? So it's just kind of like increases, increases, increases to, well, it formula, it's, it's following the proper formula to do that. And we got a really interesting little surprise in this one. Um, yes. So that was kind of cool. I don't, I guess we shouldn't give that away, but we got a character showing up that we hadn't expected. So, but, you know, maybe we should have, but we didn't. So we were surprised.
0: We we probably should have. Yeah. I I don't know how we both missed it. (laughs) When this character appeared on the screen, I was like, oh, cool. And then I was like, oh, right. (laughs) Duh. That character was, of course, going to show up. But anyway, it was still nice to see that character. Mm
1: -hmm. Indeed. And a really good fight scene. This
0: was, yeah, good fight scene. Uh, This was more one of the more, I guess, Emotional episodes, because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. we got to see a little more of Clint's guilt <laughs> Clint. and his uh, his loneliness, almost, and his his unwanting of being a superhero. Yeah. Because he's still fighting off the whole branding thing, and he goes into a big speech about he's not a role model. Right. And we get to hear more of his backstory and stuff with, of course, Black Widow mm-hmm. and everything that he's dealt with because of that, so... Some really good emotional moments for Jeremy Renner, Clint, stuff like that. And those two together, I mean, it opened up with them just hanging out on Christmas Mm -hmm. and watching Christmas movies and just chatting. And it was cool. Their banter was fun. Uh, Overall, I thought it was a good episode.
1: Me too. I enjoyed it very much. I don't really have too much to add to it. I mean, I, I liked it. I was happy. Yeah, I it was there.
0: That. It was a nice transition episode into what will be the next last two episodes, which That's I hot. think are going to amp up fairly quickly. <coughs> so, good episode. Continued a good story. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked where it was going, and I liked a little more of the character development that we got from everybody involved.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So, I don't know, three and a half, five bucks.
1: I, I was all, yeah, that seems like a fair. A fair assessment for that one yeah
0: what were you gonna say before Are i you- toss flying yeah. fox at you
1: i liked a little bit um with uh jack and um bishop kate and her mom and t- having the discussion about how jack keeps fucking up the sayings yeah
2: because
1: <laughs> i mean i know people that do this and it's amusing every time <laughs> so <laughs> So I just thought that that was really cute, kind of you know, The whole
0: sort of family inter that, that that family triangle is still weird to me.
1: Well, it is weird.
0: It but it is a weird family. Yeah, I get it. But I I don't I don't know if it's the acting or if it's the writing or whatever. But the family doesn't even feel like a family.
1: Well, I mean, I think it's meant to feel that way because I mean, he's this kind of like interloper that's coming in.
0: Oh, I know. But even the between Kate and her mom, I don't even feel that there's been Kate and mom moments. Well, I almost feel like strangers or like (laughs) mom is not really mom mom is like a distant cousin that was forced to take kate in because of reasons or whatever Mm. they just don't have a mom daughter kind of vibe to them
1: there's but again
0: they they are from differing worlds and stuff like that so
1: i think that's very much on purpose um but we'll see and we also this this week got the first episode of a very beloved series of both of ours We got the first episode of the final season, or final, final, yeah, final season, final of the series for uh, the Expanse. (laughs) I am excited.
0: I'm excited to see where it goes. Can't say I was overly excited about the first episode.
1: I liked it. I thought they gave like a decent introduction to what was kind of like going on, kind of thing, and also, yeah, decent
0: enough. Was there was there a time jump that I'm unaware of?
1: Um, maybe a little one. Because but- there was
0: a lot going on that I didn't have any recollection of or any explanation to.
1: Okay, so? Like,
0: like, Philip. Uh-huh. And the way that Philip was acting.
1: Oh, he's acting like a complete douche. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and there was no, there was no acknowledgement of that near the end of season five.
1: Yeah, I feel like. Season
0: six started and he is just a tremendous asshole.
1: Yeah, I think that what we're seeing is that we've moved a few months into the future. Um, not a long, long, long time, but a few months. The So we've had enough, like there's enough time has passed that Earth is experiencing like environmental impacts from all. Yeah, that.
0: they talked about the nuclear winter and stuff yeah, like that.
1: Exactly. So I think we're we're looking at, you know, somewhere between five to ten months. See, this
0: is where everything goes a little weird for me, Mm -hmm. because we've moved, say, half a dozen months, a little more into the future. Uh So, yes, that does explain why Philip's mental state is deteriorating, Mm -hmm. because we know what happened at the end of five. He, you saw him not really wanting to be part of his dad's venture. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he was leaning more towards his mom and he was having problems
1: yeah, but then she you know in him in a way too, right? And abandon him again. And, yeah. and, you
0: know, yeah. Okay, so, yeah, I kind of understand why he's now a big asshole. And mm-hmm. and if a couple of months has gone by, then, of course, we're not going to get to see his deteriorating mental state. We're just going to be into it right now, yeah. which I get. Yeah. But if the same six or so months have gone by, mm-hmm. then the stuff between, like, Naomi and Amos and Holden and stuff, shouldn't feel as fresh as it does that feels like we're literally right back into like the day after season 5 ended
2: mm-hmm. Okay. so the, cool. the,
0: two, the two differing storylines here don't okay. seem to be sitting at the same time for me mm. because if 6 or something months go by have gone by then Naomi shouldn't be being as much of a tit as she is
1: yeah but she holds a grudge that, that, I was oh, having that same kind of reaction to her as well Right? I, and
0: I get that, but every conversation that they had uh-huh. sounded like this was the first time they were talking about it. Yeah, And if six or seven months has gone by, right. you think they would have explored That's this a little bit for now.
2: Right. So yeah. we
0: have Philip, who we understand that in the last six months, his right. mental health is deteriorating. But at the same time, if that same time frame has gone by, yeah. then why the fuck has the cat, uh, the crew of the Rocinante Rossi- yeah. not talked about anything?
2: Right. Because
0: right. theirs seems very fresh yeah. and
1: they seem to be boiling
0: a- right at the time, yeah, so the the time jump for both of these separate storylines don't seem to be the same
1: i see I, like, I can hear what you mean there, yeah yeah
0: i get, it literally feels like whatever's going on on the Rosinante. mm-hmm uh. Is about twelve hours after the first after season five ended, because they're all having these conversations, what it seems like the first time. Yeah. I mean, Naomi has a problem with Peaches being on board. Yeah. And Amos just bring her on board. That was literally the last thing that we saw mm-hmm. in season five. Right. Or at the end of season five. And she's just talking about it now. Yeah. But like ten months has gone by.
2: Mm.
0: So it just it feels like they're a little behind on that storyline but then the one with uh the governor um
1: oh with Avisarala, yeah yeah with Yeah,
0: that that seems like it's 10 months in the future and seems yeah. right yeah. with her and bobby and the philip and uh what's got marco's storyline mm-hmm. and drummer's storyline all seems to be fast forward to 10 months yeah but then what's going on with our main crew seems like it's to tomorrow right like it just it it's not following the same timeline.
1: Yeah, well, or they
0: all just slept for the last eleven months or ten months. It just woke up now and went. Okay, let's just fight now.
1: We might be having a little bit of a um a thing going on because of the departure of Cass Anbar. So, in the book, of course, that Alex doesn't leave. And oh, I know
0: they have they had to rewrite and blah blah blah.
1: Exactly. So I was actually just reading an article about um, about like Anvar's replacement because basically last season, it kind of looked like they were setting up Buck to take over as pilot kind of thing. Like there was a lot of moments where it's really seemed to be poking in that, like going in that direction, like Fred Johnson's um, former, uh, former like do right-hand dude. And, and then he's nowhere to be seen this season. And it's like, it kind of makes sense that Holden is doing it because he's, he served uh, like served some time in the, in the army. So it's not so strange that he would know how to do this kind of thing. But, I mean, it really kind of makes him both captain and pilot. Like, that's a lot. <laughs> so we might be dealing with, because they, the situation isn't quite what would be happening in the books, it may, just, it may just feel weird right now. Maybe they'll kind of launch into it in the next. I mean,
0: we're also dealing with a show that is trying to jam the last book into only six episodes. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, they said they did it well and that it's just going to be quick-paced, like, blah, blah, blah. They wanted to finish the story, but they weren't going to get greenlit for the normal, like, 12, 13-episode season. Mm -hmm. So, like, okay, we'll do a six-episode season. We'll just fill up the episodes. Mm -hmm. It was just... This one seemed off for me.
1: I I get why. you... I I think I... I think I... Like, I understand the disconnect that you're feeling there. And I think that the reason is because we're dealing with material that wouldn't have happened in the book. So when we catch up to the... Like, now, okay, now with the the way that the first episode ended and what they now understand is happening and all of this kind of stuff and where the Rosanante is off to, I think now we're going to get into the main storyline. This, that the stuff that was talking.
0: Yeah. I'm guessing that was maybe just like a rewrite written in to give a little bit of context as to why this crew is fractured. Yeah. But it just, again, it just seemed like they were having a conversation that should have happened a day after the events of season five. Mm -hmm. Whereas everybody else on the show was, 10 months in the future yeah yeah so i had a little bit of a disconnect there but overall i mean i enjoyed the episode
2: mm-hmm. it was a
0: good launching point for this final season mm-hmm. there were some good storylines going on
1: ava um, continues to kick ass <laughs> sure agadash yeah. is amazing as usual kind of thing and as is the the girl um i can't remember the girl who plays bobby anyway i am looking forward to uh, apparently she will be joining up with the rosinante forthwith. So, yep. I'm looking forward to that kind of thing cuz she is. And I keep forgetting how damn tall that woman is. And then you see her in comparison to somebody else and you're like, "Holy crap." Anyway,
0: but I want to see what they do with beaches too. Yes. See if she gets a bigger role or if There's- if if maybe that's the replacement for um for what was his her- name in the show?
1: For her- Alec. Yeah. Alec, right. I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what they're going to do with with her character because, of, uh, not yeah, not clear on that. But I am kind of suspecting that we're going to have a pretty nasty moment where Philip and Naomi are concerned, kind of thing. I am guessing there's something, na- something bad is going to go down with the two of them, especially, especially with the outcome of, of the season of the episode one of season six for him. It's sort of like ah, okay, <laughs> so now this is going to have to happen to him. So we'll have to see. What they do, yeah.
0: And I'm interested in drummer's storyline.
1: Of always, always.
0: (laughs) She's he's been one of like the sleepers of the show, mm -hmm. not really essentially part of the main cast, but has always had some of the better
1: storylines. Yeah, I think she's she's one of the ones who's had her role (coughs) in the in the in the TV series in comparison to her role in the book because of how much of a fan favorite she was kind of deal yeah. and I'm totally happy with that because she's fantastic
0: so, so overall um, great, great start point for this upcoming season mm-hmm. a little sad to know that there's now only five episodes left but <laughs> with the way that the show creators and stuff talked it is going to be five full episodes of basically trying to fit one entire book and a novella mm-hmm. into it Because, of course, this is, I believe, Babylon's Ashes and Strange Dogs, which is a novella that kind of, uh, I believe, counted as a go-between to the time jump.
1: Okay. All right. So, of
0: course, there is that, like, five-year time jump between books six and seven, I believe. Mm -hmm. And I believe Strange Dogs, a little novella, kind of branched. Those two things together in the books.
1: I'm super curious as to what was going on with Lacuna as well. The the that little the that brief moment that we spent, or those brief few minutes that we spent on that planet with the unusual animal forms.
0: Well, that's from Strange Dogs.
2: Ah, okay.
0: Which is the novella that I haven't read, but I found out about.
2: Okay, all right. So
0: I believe that creature was one of the strange dogs.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. So
0: I've I have read. Things that people have written that it they are a huge part, okay, of the story once the time jump happens and stuff like that. Okay, but I haven't gotten that far in the books, okay, myself either because I'm trying not to read too far ahead because I'm watching the show, mm-hmm. and again, I don't want to read and then watch the show and be disappointed with the show because it doesn't live up to the book kind of expectations. Fair enough. So now anything that I know has a book and a show or a movie at the same time. I always watch first, read later. Yeah, type thing. So Makes So sense. we'll see where it goes.
1: Okay, but I'm excited. But so yeah, for I... both the
0: shows that we're currently watching, I'm excited to see where they go. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm a little sad also that Hawkeye only has two episodes left because <sighs> it just feels now like we're really digging into the story. Yep. Yep. Like those first three episodes. Now that I've seen episode four and know that there's only two more remaining, I'm
2: like not a
0: seem a little almost wasted for me. <laughs> like, I don't think there is enough story movement in those
2: mm.
0: knowing that there's only two episodes left.
1: We'll have to see how they...
0: I also know that this season is probably just a jumping-off point for Hawkeye and Bishop and stuff to continue in the MCU and movies and stuff like that, so... We'll see. As as same was the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and same was WandaVision and stuff like that, so... So my guess is we're not going to get a Like a a tidied up ending to Hawkeye, either. It's just going to move forward into the universe.
1: Maybe. Yeah, it might be. But we'll see. We'll see what they do. I'm curious.
0: Anyway, uh, what do you give the expanse
1: first step? Three and a half on this one. Three and a half again. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I'm good with it. Minus my confusion over how one of the stories is taking place 10 months earlier than the other story.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And again, I think, as you said, that was just that literally at the very, like, last minute of season five, they realized that they had to uh, depart yeah. with... Uh,
1: they had... Cass Anvar had to go, so...
0: Yeah, you know. so uh, this was a... They had to quickly rewrite the ending of... Actually, they didn't even rewrite the ending. They just did some uh, extra special effects work on the ending of that to mm-hmm. have his character depart. Yeah. At the end of season five. And like you said, I think now they're just kind of trying to catch the story up without him by adding in some filler to, and some exposition to move the story into where it needs to be, yeah. which is probably why the, the time difference a awkward. was yeah. was a little awkward Yeah, because they needed to have the conversations that they were having, Yeah, but it just didn't seem to fit at the same time as everything else was happening. So it needed to happen because we needed the explanation of where everybody is and the fracturing of this because of, the death of uh, Alec and stuff like that. So of course, yeah, we're going to have a bunch of the characters dealing with it in their own various ways. Mm-hmm. And that is going to come to effect. And they couldn't be like, Oh, this is 10 months later. And we're just going to forget all of that happened. <laughs> Everybody's cool. We're a happy, happy crew again. <laughs> but because they had to do that, it did leave a little bit of a mm-hmm. weird vibe, a weird disconnect to the rest of the story. Yeah. But other than that, still good. Everybody was good. Special effects, the action. That, Excellent, yep. I mean, the first episode didn't have a ton of action, but it had a couple of cool set pieces. <laughs> uh, Decent. <laughs> I don't like Philip.
1: No, nor do I. And I don't think we're supposed to. No. I think he's still going to, I don't know if he'll, he can't. Oh, he's
0: going to have some sort of yeah. redemption, redemption arc.
1: Yeah, he can't have full redemption, but he can. No at least not according to narratives as we understand. Um, but he can definitely come back to some, he can do something. And I think he will. I think he will kind of thing. Cause he's, he's already sort of fallen out of his father's favor and that will just serve to fracture him even more and then maybe push yeah. him in other directions. So
0: I just hope his story isn't our central story.
1: I agree because <laughs> yeah because you-
0: his story being the central story would be like Catherine's story taking central story in the original CSI <laughs> which is when I stopped watching
1: right right. because it <laughs> took mean- away
0: from what CSI was which is crime scene investigation yeah. that limited- not family drama Catherine
1: <laughs> that limited series just wrapped actually Um, the, after its 10th episode this last week and I watched it and it was quite good yeah, Overall. Oh, uh,
0: one news bit that we forgot. No.
1: Nope.
0: Uh, it came and it went. Right. Cowboy Boy, Bebop. We, to, we say goodbye to Cowboy Bebop after one season yep. of like, what was it? 10 episodes or something? Not even?
1: It was, yeah, it was at least 10 episodes. I watched all of it. So yeah, it was, see, so for me, having never watched the anime animated series, I enjoyed it. I liked it but I understand from many of the fans that this was not done well that they did not feel that um that John Cho did a good depiction of what Spike Spiegel actually was like and there they some folk had less problems with some of the other characters but there was there was a lot of there was a lot of people that really just didn't like the way that it was done they animated series by from everyone I know who is a fan is like, it's fucking perfect. Why did you do that? So, yeah.
0: well, when your season finale, which mm-hmm. is now the series finale, right on IMDB gets the lowest score of your entire season. Yeah. It's probably not a very good launching point for getting a season two. Yeah, probably not. And especially since, uh, IMDB gave it an average score of six with all episodes getting between 5.9, which was the season finale right. series finale and 7.1. Yeah. So yeah. fans on IMDb also agreed that it wasn't that good.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm going to make sure make a point of watching the, uh, watching the animated series in the, in the near future, because I, I am very curious now and we'll have to see how I'll, I'll have to see how I feel about it by the end of it kind of thing. Cause you know, as a, as a, the one thing I would say is that for some folk, like, yourself and myself in many cases and lots of other people I know they don't really get invested in animated series so the translation to a live action series can sometimes open doors that wouldn't have been there previously I am now interested in watching the animated series because I really like the storyline so now I'm willing to go back but I've known that this series existed for years and years and years and I've just never really wanted to pick it up because I was like, ah. like animated series just don't have the same kind of appeal for me in a general way. So, I, you know, I while I think it was probably a bit foolish for them to make this adaptation if they weren't going to be really true to the, the original property, I, I don't dislike that they did that kind of thing.
0: So. No, I mean, you got to tell your own story. But you still have to make it good.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. So, but as I said, you know, obviously people spoke and that's the end of that. So, you know, well, hopefully I wish John Cho luck on whatever he does next, because I do love him and and I want him to be successful. (laughs) So it is a shame that for for him on that level.
2: Well,
0: segueing from that, (laughs) this is technically our last episode. Tis. Of the the season.
1: Of the season. Yeah.
0: I mean, we we are gonna have two more episodes, but they're gonna be kind of in a different style. Yes. This is the last one of our traditional get on, record, news, reviews, blah, blah, blah. Because uh next week mm-hmm. we are doing a a happy holidays live stream. Yep. Which of course we will be getting on camera and everybody will be live on Facebook, Twitch, and YouTube. So you can tune in uh Sunday Sunday the nineteenth, mm-hmm. December nineteenth at eight PM and watch us. Fucking do what we do. And of course, we'll be recording the audio from that. So we will drop it as a podcast episode. Just won't be in the traditional sense. And then on January 1st, we have now added in a a year in review Mm -hmm. live stream. Right. So we're going to talk about all the shit that we talked about through all of 2021 and pick some of our best and worst Mm -hmm. moments and uh, our top reviews and maybe re rehash some of the stuff that we talked about maybe do a couple of callbacks to stuff that we reviewed back then that we had only taken in maybe an episode or two that now we finish the series and we can re-review some of those and of course we'll be recording the audio for that so that'll technically be our last episode before we go on Hi, yeah toss
1: and we'd love anyone to join us for the for for either of those live streams just because you know we yeah we get
0: don't. on, comment, uh we'll give people the <laughs> chance to actually come on live if they want to yep. and shoot the shit with us, but for the most time you can just <coughs> hop on and throw your two cents into the comments and argue with us and
2: yeah,
0: blah 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 and do whatever you want to do.
1: I will still die so, on the hill of Die Hard being a Christmas movie, so you can argue with us all you want about that. And well, I'm
0: sure that's gonna that's gonna be about an hour of our Christmas live stream <laughs> is just <laughs> arguing those merits with uh, <laughs> all those folk that are completely wrong on the matter. <laughs> but yeah,
1: until bro. happy Christmas. Pre- well,
0: until then, um, like and subscribe and give us five stars and whatever on whatever you listen to this on. Uh, Follow us on all the social medias, which is all of the social medias, (laughs) at popcultxp, that's P-O-P-C-U-L-T-E-X-P. Comment, uh, check out some of our posts, uh, play our questions of the day, do what you do. Uh, But until uh, sometime in February, that's us semi-signing off. (laughs) But yeah, again, join us on our two upcoming live streams, and uh, yeah. Have a happy, happy, ho, 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 holidays. I guess that would have been a ho, ho,
2: holidays. Or it would be a ho, ho, holidays. (laughs) I don't know how I want to say that. Season's greetings to all. That works.